0: author, founder of Forte Consulting, and principal at Timberlake Communications. Hope, thank you so much for jumping on with me. Thanks for inviting me, Sherry. I'm
1: excited for our conversation.
0: So I will have to say, just so our listeners know, you are not related to Justin Timberlake. The
1: question has come up a couple times. I'm sure you get it a ton. I get it all the time. And the number of disappointed uh, faces that I receive when I tell them that no, I am not related. I wish I were.
0: Maybe someday we can have him on and both of you and we'll have like this kismet conversation.
1: Oh my gosh, you better invite me on when you get
0: him. Definitely. <laughs> that would be awesome. So we are um, wrapping up Women's History Month and so I thought it'd be so great to have somebody who spends um, some of her time really helping women level up. You have a book, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but I thought I'd start with how can women more effectively influence Beyond speaking up, like how do we follow through and how do we do that when we have limited bandwidth?
1: Yeah, that's such an important question because while I'm a huge believer in the power of speaking up, the reality is we have so our jobs are complex. We have so many different interactions and so much on our plates. It's hard to rely simply on speaking up when there are so many other ways to influence. So two things that I like to talk about with influence are one, to always be thinking about adding value. And this is what I tell men, women, young, old, anyone in any role. This is not exclusive like, oh, women, you need to add value. Because I think if we were going to find people who add value, typically the women are the ones who do. And often we're also really good at execution. We we see a task in front of us and we get it done. And what I see often in my coaching practice is there are so many times that people could take a step back and think, okay, what's the bigger business objective here? Or who is who am I meeting with this week that has a need that I can provide a perspective or I can provide some input that that pushes our mutual objectives forward? So having that when you look at your calendar for the day or the week, think like, okay, are there certain meetings where I can think beyond just the task at hand? And I can think, how can I add value to move our team forward, our meeting, our, our business forward, our objective forward. So that's the first thing. And one of the things that we want to do or how we want to do it is relationship build. And again, women can be the best relationship builders. At the same time, there are a lot of different nuances to that. So as we're thinking about like our calendar, and we look at the day and we think, all right, I'm meeting with, with, Craig in accounting, and Craig is really analytical and very details oriented. And how do I bring the level of accuracy and precision that Craig needs in order for him to hear me and my ideas? So again, it's not about adjusting who you are for someone else. It's about being strategic and persuasive and influential. So when we can adjust to both their communication style correct? analytical. I might be big picture person. Um, To their motivations. What what do they really value? What do they need in their role or in their career? And the content. Can I be really explicit about adding benefits or impact so that that they respect me, they see me as a valuable partner, and I'm able to push my ideas forward as as well?
0: Such great tactical advice. And I love... I love the part about not just building relationships for relationship's sake, but really digging into um, what that person's communication style is. I like that you brought that up. You know, I've done disc training in the past with a lot of um, employees and teams, and it's amazing once you dig into that, it's like maybe you've butted heads with Craig, you know, in the past. Mm -hmm. And if you just took this different approach and came with the data and the precision, like you said, oh my goodness, game changer. Totally.
1: It is. And I, and I I, am very careful to say, this is not saying that your way is not an authentic good way. It's that how are you going to be strategic and influential? And let's do it by really thinking about meeting their needs.
0: Speaking of kind of complexity of women balancing a lot of different things, you know, something that I think comes up is, you know, in order to advance, you may need to spend less time with your family. You might need to have less Less flexibility, you might have to travel more. What are some tips on how we can navigate those conversations?
1: I love that you're asking that in such a lovely, calm way because this question makes my blood boil a teensy bit. Uh, it's a good question, it's an important question that comes up a lot. And what I say is can we shift the narrative? Can we see that either the person who is telling us this or implying this to us? It's just a limited perspective of one or a small group, or the culture of the company that's doing this. It's time to shift it's time to see things differently. I think sometimes we and this is again, cross gender across ages, sometimes we buy into what's been the norm and the culture in the in the past. And what I I think that is a perfect opportunity with the pandemic to show that we can have a family life and a home life and a personal life and add great value to the business. So it's a really opportune time to say, yes, I can do all this and I'm going to take that meeting virtually. Or I'm going to be doing this call at seven pm because that's we have to work with Asia, and I'm going to be doing it with uh, from my kitchen, and there may be kids in the background I, if you if you it's hard to find, but if you can look for other role models, male or female who do a really good job of setting boundaries or who are able to find that like we are Maybe we're not even setting boundaries, but we're integrating our personal and our professional lives. It's helpful to have those in mind, because otherwise it feels really oppressive that the only way I'm going to move up the ladder or be well-respected is if I'm on the road or I'm working 12 hours at the office. Um, I, I think this is a really, really tough issue, and I do think it's time for people to reframe and see the value that people can bring to work, even if they're not in the office or on the road like we used to be before the pandemic,
0: we at Palacity we do a biweekly executive call, um, and it's it's thirty minutes. It's a chance for anybody in our organization to ask our C suite team questions. And this one that we had just this morning, you know, one of our C suites had his daughter on on his lap during the call, and I absolutely loved it. Granted, it was a little distraction because she's adorable, um, but again, it just highlighted like, hey, there is work life balance, integration, sway, whatever the word you, you want to use for it, even at that level. And seeing those models, I think, is so important, like you said. You, yes. know, you know, as we think about helping younger generations, you know, as women who are maybe more successful or have been more successful and in influencing in their careers, how do we teach that? How do we help those who are more earlier in their career Learn about the nuances of of influencing and speaking up, especially as they're starting to just learn how do I lead across, how do I lead up if they're not in a leadership role?
1: Yeah, I feel very strongly in the data support that we need a diversity of ideas and experiences to create good decisions, to uh, help with innovation, to reduce mistakes. And having younger and newer people in, in new to their career as part of these teams and part of these decisions really does help the business. And so one of the things is to challenge and inspire people newer in their career to realize they have interesting perspectives. It might not be as well-vetted. It might be, it might be that uh, it's just an off-the-cuff idea. It might not be the perfect contribution, but to really encourage them to share those ideas, knowing like anyone at any age of their career, there may be mistakes being made, they may share an idea and it may not be the right idea, but if we have a culture that accepts that and welcomes different ideas, different uh, perspectives, that's going to be really helpful. Another thing that I do a lot with younger women, I really like working with high potential young women women professionals, and one of the things I do is, uh, I call it, we call it the COP model. It's looking at what capabilities do you bring to your job? All right, so where are you good at? What, what type of skills do you bring to the job? And then the, the P in the COP model is what passions do you have? What are you really excited about, intrigued about, want to pursue? And then the O is what does the organization need? And when you take some time to reflect, it's a really, I did a really fun uh, keynote and exercise about this. And when people take time to reflect on where, what their skills are, what their passions are, and how can they apply those to what the organization needs, they now have a bigger aperture of seeing how they can add value how they can benefit those around them. And it's a really empowering exercise and a good way of seeing things uh, more broadly than maybe how they they typically view their role.
0: I could see it being useful too as you think about your next steps in your career, helping to define that for yourself, and then deciding is the O part, right, the organization, can I use my passion and capabilities here the way I want to, or do I need to find that elsewhere? I love that model. Um, um, we'll include some details to, to those great resources that you have and, and how to maybe bring you into an organization to talk about that. You great. know, we live in this world of instant reactions and instant gratification. Um, you know, often I kind of know what my kid's doing based on his Snapchat story during the day while he's at school. And I think about this when it comes to women and introverts. You know, mm people who, who like to listen and analyze before providing their opinion. Mm-hmm. In order to have a larger presence, sometimes these people have um, don't have their ideas fully thought out, and so they don't want to jump into a conversation. They want to be more thoughtful in their response, and they don't want to come across as shy. What advice do you have for, I guess I think, creating that space so that they have the
1: time to think, but also not missing an opportunity to speak up yeah, this is a great question and an important one as well. In a perfect world, we would have uh, we would get contributions and uh, place equal value on written contributions and spoken contributions. The reality is most companies in the U.S. really do value that spoken word, and we can really lose out on a lot of great ideas by not listening to the thoughtful responses and thoughtful uh, contributions of introverts. If you are an introvert, or even if you're a manager and a manager of, I'm sure, probably some introverts in your team, the book Quiet by Susan Cain is really amazing. It's the power of introverts in an extroverted world and has great tips on both for introverts and for those around introverts for integrating them. At the same time, while we're still valuing the spoken word, while we, we, companies tend to value extroverts, I have a tip, I have a, a strategy for introverts for what I call, in quotes, preparing to be spontaneous. And what that includes is, again, I'm a big fan of looking at your calendar and predicting what's coming up and seeing, okay, let's just say there's one meeting each day where you're like, I want to contribute or I need to contribute for visibility and for, for my, my, my career's sake. And in that meeting, I'm going to decide before I go into the meeting, I'm going to identify what does this team need? What is this objective? What is my contribution to meeting that objective? And then let me craft one or two specific messages that will help move the objective forward. I'm gonna rehearse them out loud, take your phone and audio record, It it might feel silly to do this level of of work in the beginning, but it's the idea of like really think about what's going to be important in the meeting. Let me craft a message or two. Let me practice it. And now let me jump in when I hear an opening. Or maybe it's not even a perfect opening, but at one point you can say, that's an, you know, uh, Sherry had an interesting idea. One other idea we should consider is this. I'm not saying it's easy but the more you do it, the easier it becomes. I am, i become a swimmer because I love exercise, but I can no longer do a lot of hard impact things. And I hate jumping in the cold water. It's my least favorite thing. But the more I do it, the, the easier it becomes. And I would say it's analogous to introverts. I get it, it's fearful, it's hard, it's challenging, but you're prepared. You've got your one or two messages. And, and make it, make it a, a micro goal of like one meeting a week or one meeting a day. I'm going to contribute at least one idea. And the more you do it, the easier it will become.
0: And HR professionals have so much to bring to the table right now. Um, if you're not taking advantage of the time right now to start speaking up, um, it's a missed opportunity. You have a whole book dedicated to this. And I won't say the whole title, but it's called Speaking Up comma, colon something. I'll, I'll include it in our show notes for people. Um, and I'm not going to spoil it because I, I really do think you should go out and read the book. Um, but I'm, I'm curious if you could share a little bit of tips or ideas on how women can um, conquer the fear or I guess leverage fear to speak up more. I think so many times we look at fear as this bad thing instead of looking at it as the motivation to get to the next thing. So what are some tips you have around that?
1: The way in which you ask that question is exactly one of the strategies. It's reframing. Like when we reframe that fear and those nerves and think, oh, okay, this is something that is giving me adrenaline, or this is something that is, is different than my more normal day. Thank goodness I don't have a, you know, a boring, stable reaction to everything in my day. This is this moment of adrenaline and reframing that of like, wow, this is really tough. But how good am I going to feel on the other side of this? So there are three specific strategies that I have really embrace and people tend to love. And one is flipping the script. And so the script is that, that inner critic, that, that limiting story you're telling yourself. It might be, I have nothing to contribute. Or I'm not senior enough. Or I'm not prepared. or No one listens to me. Whatever it may be and to flip it to its opposite side and say, okay, I have something to contribute. I have an interesting idea. I have something that will help the company. So you flip that script and then you go through, and this is something we should add in your show notes. I have a a worksheet that's great for this. You go through and you look at how can you find evidence of your new story? How can you identify actions that you'll take to support your new story? And how will your life be better when you live this new story? So that's the first strategy is flipping the script. The next one is diving in. It's like what I was talking about with the pool, just diving in. Introverts speak up, you know, people who are scared of cold water, jump in. But uh, research shows there's, a, there's another good book called Act Like a Leader, Think Like a Leader. And the, one of the premises is that when we actually take on the behaviors and actions of a leader, we will then be, be uh, start to think and feel like a leader. So old research used to say, well, you need to feel confident, you need to think that you're confident, and you need to do that before you can look like a leader. And this is reversing that. So taking on those behaviors, and you'll feel better. So if I'm fearful, I'm fearful, I'm fearful, I'm going to take on the presence of someone, a role model who I really respect, and I'm going to feel more confident. And the last one is removing the target. Like we have these goals. We have these perfectionist goals of, oh, I need to be perfect. I need to do this right. I need to be uh, beautifully planned before I say something. And if instead just think, all right, I'm going to do a micro goal. And my micro goal is I'm going to say one little thing at the meeting today. It might not be uh, the perfect thing to say. It might not even be – someone might even argue against it. But that's okay. It's okay. I'm going to separate myself from the outcome and just make my goal that I contributed today and be okay with whatever reaction I receive. Again, hard to do, but all three of these things can be really, really helpful in moving you forward, getting more accustomed to fear, and eventually becoming sort of at peace with it, ideally having it less often.
0: It's interesting the point you brought up about precision in speaking. I used to think for a long time, to be successful in business, I can no longer use the word, um, or "right" or filler words or any of those things. And even when I started this podcast, I would spend hours like removing all those little, you know, voice things. And I'm like, but this is how I talk. Like this is me. And people want to hear your authentic self. And granted, if you have a whole speech full of ums, it's a little annoying. Obviously you got to work on some of that stuff, but our natural speech patterns aren't perfect. We think as we talk and you should be able to bring that to the table for sure. I love that advice.
1: Yeah. Our standards for ourselves are so much higher than our standards for others. And it's human to have a, you know, or like an, um, in our talk. So yes, I love that. That example you gave.
0: One of the other things I find is when you're on this journey, right? This journey to speak up more, to have a different presence, show up in a different way, Oftentimes, people who are further along in their journey witness scenarios where um, the vibe in the room is not super supportive of maybe the introvert speaking up, or maybe um, a junior person speaking up, or maybe, frankly, even a woman speaking up in a room. So, how do we, who are a little further along in the journey or want to start being further along, how do we help correct the vibe in the room? Because sometimes it's not as obvious as being like, Hey, Jan has an idea. I need to let her speak. Sometimes it's, there's more of
1: an undertone. Yeah, you're right. It's not always obvious and, and yeah, it's complicated. It's very complicated. There are a couple of things that I think are helpful. One is finding allies in the room, especially if you have a regular meeting where the vibe is off. And you can think, who is even just one ally I can have? And and I use that term to say we have some version of a pact, so that when let's say Sherry and I are going to be in a meeting together, I'm like, whoa, the vibe is, the vibe is really cold in there. But let's support each other. So then Sherry says an idea, or, or she's asked a question, she answers, and then I agree to amplify her message and say, oh, that's a really interesting idea, Sherry. I would I like your take on this HR strategy that we could use in our business. And so if we can make a pact, we can support each other, we can amplify each other, that's really helpful. There's other ways too. Like let's just say the vibe feels like, all right, they don't want to hear from me. They don't want to hear from the women. They don't want to hear from the introverts, whatever it may be. Still think appealing to the objective in the room, like what everyone can agree on and just saying, okay, hey, you know, We've got a lot of chatter happening or perhaps it's tension and you're using a euphemism of chatter for tension. And you say, so I think the important thing we can all agree on is we need to hire a more diverse workforce in 2022. So let's, let's focus on that aspect of our goal for today. Something that you, you can say that everyone in the room can agree on, whatever that, that statement is, so that you're bringing the tone down and you're reminding people that we're all on one team together. So let's let's be supportive of that goal.
0: One other thing I'll add to that: if you are thinking about how you help your managers think about this more, you know, one of the things that I what I have seen that seems benign but can actually say a lot to women in the room is when you have senior leaders who are men. And when other men walk in the room, they're like, how was your weekend? How was that golf thing? How was that? How was this? Um, And then the females walk in the room and they don't get the same sort of, how was your weekend? What did you do? How was your family? How was, how was the golfing? How was this? How was that? Teach your managers to do that. You know, going back to what you said about relationship building, um, you can have opposite sex relationships at work that help move the business forward. That's okay. It's okay to have those personal conversations. You don't need to silo them. So I think that's something that we continue to work on and, and to teach about how to how to do that in a way that feels comfortable, obviously, for the for everybody involved. Um, but yeah, just setting that tone for those meetings. I love that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good point because we do, yeah, people bias towards the golf or the whatever that is, and how can we be part of that conversation too and be like, okay, well, Frank, it seemed like you had a great time golfing. Did you know that Sherry and I were, I don't know, we did, ex- we, we did wine tasting, and it was really fun.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love it. Well, Hope, you gave me a lot of resources. I'll make sure that they're in the show notes for everybody, including a link to your book and your website and all the amazing things you're doing. So thanks for taking a few minutes to chat
1: with me. Thank you. I loved it.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Palocity, a leading HCM provider that frees you from the tasks of today so you can focus more on the promise of tomorrow. If you'd like to submit a topic or appear as a guest on a future episode, email us at pctytalks at paylocity.com.